Hi, welcome to Tube to Table, the podcast about helping tube-fed kids become happy and healthy eaters. Every week, we will dive into the basics of tube weaning to help unravel the conflicting information families get from doctors, therapists, friends, and family. I'm Jenny, a feeding therapist, mom, and food lover. And I'm Heidi. I'm also a feeding therapist, and I love sharing meals with friends and family and helping kids learn to eat. Come with us as we share practical tips and provide real-world expert advice so that parents can help their little ones start their journey from feeding tube to family table. Hi, and welcome to the Tube to Table podcast. In this week's episode, we're discussing how to measure progress while weaning your child from the feeding tube. I'm Jenny, and I'm joined again after a slight break by Heidi. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Hi, I'm Doing well, Jenny. How are you? I'm doing great. Heidi was off weaning kids, not exactly on vacation, but doing the good work that she does and, and making a difference. I know you guys had a good wean, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. We had a we had a good time, That's and so she nice. did well, which That's, is even better. But we had a really good time. <laughs> That's nice. It's nice and it's fun. Um, and there's moments I know in every wean, but sure. welcome back. Sure. <laughs> um, so this week, what prompted us to do this episode is that we've noticed that a lot of people, both families um, of kids that we work with, but also their healthcare teams get a little bit confused between how we measure real true progress in this work and how we know a child is safe. And we think that there's a lot of confusion about people accidentally (laughs) looking at things that we consider parameters like or boundaries for how the wean should be going as the way that you measure progress. So we thought we could just kind of jump into what the actual measures of progress are and then talk a little bit as we go about safety parameters and the difference between the two. So um, the biggest, and I'll just go through them kind of quickly in a list here, and then Heidi and I can do a deep dive for you guys into each of them. But um, the big measures of progress during tube weaning may surprise you. <laughs> they are child's initiation, a child's enjoyment during mealtimes, a child's attention to eating or to meals, and the, a child's satiation or ability to, to feel better after they eat. And um, most people are surprised to hear that. What do, you, what do you, Heidi, you and I both came from kind of non-responsive feeding worlds. I, th- I think there's some pretty most of the misunderstanding and the parameters tend to be more quantitative. What do you, what do you find in your work that most people get confused um, and attribute to progress? In my, in my distant past, before I was working in tube weaning and responsive feeding, I think those things would have felt fluffy to me and extra and not really a measure of progress. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's still true when we talk to people, um, struggling, when we talk to medical teams, when we talk to expectations for this, those are certainly not viewed as progress. Yeah. I I think a contrast, if you want to do the contrast with parameters, Mm -hmm. that might help. Yeah. So we, what we tend to see is that people measure progress. They misplace the focus on measures of, of safety, which include things like growth or weight, hydration, MLs, volume of food, in mls or ounces or whatever the case may be and sometimes mood or kind of energy level that they see those things as the indicator of success and how you know a child is doing well when those are really just your boundaries that's just really how you know a child is safe 
But if you stay focused on growth or the measurables, the quantitative versus the qualitative stuff, you p- progress is limited. That's what our, that's what our experience has been. That if you ignore and research actually supports the, this piece of it. That if you ignore the qualitative, you're more likely to sacrifice a child's relationship with food. And if a child doesn't trust or understand food and has poor self regulation, they're at increased risk of having problems with eating, not decreased. So people sometimes tend to focus on growth, calories, hydration, volume, mLs, all of those measurables. And then these other things take a backseat. And these are the drivers. These are the things that have to happen. And if they're not happening, then there's more work to mm-hmm. be done. And they lead to those other things being okay. They lead to a safe child. That's how you get there. Right. But I think it's important that if if your biggest measure of progress is ounces, and we keep clinging to ounces as yeah. a measure, then we sabotage the environment that's going to allow that growth to happen. Right. That's why progress needs to be measured in this other way, because we're completely um, sabotaging yeah, so that it can't even happen. And it's not like Heidi and I are like, oh, we don't care if a child grows or is well hydrated <laughs> or like, no, of course not. We really, really do. We just know that the best way to get adequate growth and physical safety mm-hmm. at, with a reliance on oral eating is through these kind of tried and mm-hmm. true methods of, of the more qualitative stuff. And that that's what's wrong with the majority of feeding therapies and feeding programs mm-hmm. is that they do. I did. Right. I mean, it and, was centuries ago, but I did. Did <laughs> but we all did as therapists, I think. And when I first started working with you, Jenny, you would even say some of those things, and I was thinking, "Yeah, but yeah, yeah but yeah. all the time, yeah, but these other things." But the truth of it is, without these parameters or without these, uh, the attention, uh, enjoyment, initiation, satiation, without those pieces, we're not going to get on the other side. Right. So maybe maybe we could talk a little bit more about how we measure each one of those. Sure. Those are kind of broad. And sometimes it's even I, I think what I find a lot is even people who want to look at those things as measures of success, it feels like an all or nothing thing. And that graded period in each one of them is helpful. Yeah. When we take away mLs and ounces, both from both from the child, but also the counting from the families, we got to replace it with something or else you feel like you're in a free fall. And so let's dive right into like initiation, because that's one of our most important measures of early progress and sustained progress. So when we talk about initiation, we're talking about a child's initiation of two different things. Initiation of eating, like they're not eating and they want to, so they do something to make that get started. Pointing, talking, looking, crying, depending on their age and developmental levels, there's a wide Mm -hmm. range of of what that could look like. Um, And then within a meal. So Mm -hmm. they're eating, they've been presented with food, the food is there and they're initiating the feeding, whether that's getting someone to feed them or feeding themselves. That's what initiation looks like. Those are the pieces of initiation. It could be looking. I think those are the things that are easy to forget is we expect initiation to look like walking over to the refrigerator and getting something out or (laughs) crying and really showing some outward signs. Um, But we don't, especially in the middle of a wean, it's less obvious than that. So it can be looking with their eyes. It can be paying more attention to food. It can be talking about. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's more attention, but just things that are starting the process towards food yeah. 
not just grabbing for it. No. And so let just a quick summary, like crying is a big Frank one, but sometimes babies or little kids that have developmental stuff going on that aren't kind of super advanced in their development um, or, or in their age, sometimes it's not a cry. Sometimes it's like um, lack of attention to mm-hmm. certain activities. Sometimes they get frustrated easily. Um, sometimes it's mouthing things, you know, it, there's a really wide variety. And so it's important that you, you know, we encourage people to kind of take notes if they're a visual person, but start looking, you don't, you might not see it right away. And you might, you probably won't see it until you'd have a real concerted effort to wean from the tube. But if you see a child initiating to start the meal, it's going to usually look like some form of communication, which could be crying or that pre-communication piece, which would be an unsettled child that's having a hard time or doing something out of the ordinary um, that could make you be like, hmm, I wonder if I wonder if they're right. This is something that um, they need. They need a need met that we got to get a meal started here. And then in the meal, like we talked about, that could be um, eye pointing, we call, you know, like looking at the food and then looking at the parent. That's pretty advanced for some kids. It's just looking at the parent, like, help me. I need more of that stuff. Sometimes it's reaching. Sometimes it's just leaning forward. Um, It's not necessarily reaching across the table, picking up the spoon and putting it in your mouth. Not every kid can do that. And not every kid's going to feel comfortable doing that but they might be sending you a tiny little message that they want to restart or start period by just looking at something. So start tuning your brain to look for like the more subtle, less overt clues. Cause um, those are things that can be really helpful in the middle of a wean to help you know that you're on your way. Leaning is a big one. Mm-hmm. I think um, Marsha Dunklein talks about, um, the two people leading towards each other, yeah. you know, the parent and child both leaning in and that's such a nice visual, but it's also such a good indicator. Yeah. That way, you know, you know, even if they move forward an inch, yeah. that's still an initiation Yep. Um, and giving them credit for, for tiny, tiny little things. Totally. And then enjoyment. I mean, enjoyment's a little bit easier to see. Um, what we notice is that children's shoulders drop down a little bit. Their body seems more relaxed. Obviously, things like smiles and pleasant vocalizations, whether that be a giggle or uh, for an older kid talking and being chatty. Um, but but enjoyment is a, a usually an easier one to mess to to um, identify for families. Sometimes it's just a matter of stopping and being like, wait is he enjoying this as much as he was before we started the wean? Mm -hmm. And just asking yourself that question, because enjoyment tends to be a little bit more obvious, but the more subtle cues of initiation or of attention, I'm sorry, enjoyment tend to be, um, if there are subtle cues, they do tend to be kind of like those physical things like dropped shoulders, relaxed face, a body position that just seems at ease versus rigid, leaning away, unsure, unsta- you know, really um, mm-hmm. those, I, we see a lot of kids with their shoulders up to their ears and their arms really tense and fisted hands. If those things start to go away, that might be a sign for your little, little ones that they're enjoying themselves more. And even for the older ones, I'm thinking in particular of a couple of kids who actually were eating a little bit when we started, but their chewing looked really wonky mm-hmm. because it was, it was very um, uncomfortable looking. It was very fearful. And mm-hmm. I thought it was a skill, but the more I dug down when he relaxed and he was happier and enjoying himself, his chewing was beautiful. Yeah. So it was even just chewing in a way or moving or holding things mm-hmm. in a way that you could tell they're enjoying and more comfortable translates a little bit to looking like skills, but it's 
it's definitely just relaxation. Yeah. And another big kid one is that is talking. We notice a lot or, or interacting a lot of kids that feel very anxious around food and mealtimes are focused solely on the task at hand and they just want it over with, or they're just like tolerating it. Mm-hmm. Whereas a child who's enjoying themselves may be more apt to engage with you and more apt for an older child to talk to you about other stuff while they're doing the act of eating. That togetherness starts to be important as the fear melts away. Mm -hmm. And I will say one more thing to just make things a little confusing, but some kids will talk and talk (laughs) and talk and talk to talk around it, to distract everybody. True, true. But that looks like a little bit more high strung. Yes. Like almost frantic Mm -hmm. doing anything to redirect away from the food and the talking. And this is really... Just, and you can see the difference when you're in it. Yeah, it's similar to like the bedtime, that prolonging it, avoiding it. It's like bedtime talk. (laughs) Like, I can't tell you how many ridiculous conversations my three-year-old wants to have with me at night that are not really things he needs to talk about. He just doesn't want to go to bed. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah, exact same scenario. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to talk and see if they notice that we, I'm not eating or I'm not going to bed. Those two things tend to be a little bit similar and easier to spot. And enjoyment tends to be really authentic child-driven, child important to the child. Um, types, yeah, that type of engagement. And it's okay if there's not always laughter. You know, mealtimes are often hectic in family homes, but you, you, most families have an easier time identifying enjoyment mm-hmm. once they know to look for it. Um, attention. You know, when kids aren't, comfor- aren't comfortable and when they're, they haven't weaned or they're in the early phases, they can't tolerate a ton of time. Um, in front of food or around food, that it's overwhelming. They don't feel comfortable enough, and maybe they're really doing great, and they've initiated a little bit, mm-hmm. but they initiate a few bites, and then they sh- they they're done. They they're on to the next thing. As you see that kind of in the presence of food, attention increase. That's a really good indication. It doesn't have to increase dramatically in the beginning, but those subtle increases or big increases are good indications that you're moving in the right direction. Um, and. Um, and then the satiation piece is one that Heidi and I kind of went back and forth about including here because I think everybody starts a wean with this idea that there's going to be very soon a magic moment where a child is uncomfortable, they eat and they're, they, you know, the choir sings and they feel <laughs> magically better. And it's just this instant connection. And that does happen for some kids. I don't want to eliminate it. It's pretty rare. Usually it's a series of subtle of subtle satiation. So a child is upset or hungry. They might not always be upset, but you can tell that they're hungry or you know that they're hungry because the amount of time that's passed. And they eat something of their own volition. <laughs> they want it. So they try it. And then there's a little bit of a lessening of whatever that hunger, um, discomfort, or just, you know, unease looks like for them. The reason that we're careful (laughs) about it is that it's a series of those experiences that results in ultimate success. It's not like a magic one-time thing. I've described it to families in the past as the difference between love at first sight and falling in love over a period of time. I love that. Most people take a number of moments to trust a little bit more and trust a little bit more and you chance a little bit more and you trust a little bit more and it builds and it's very rarely this lightning bolt out of the sky um, moment. And even if you do have a lightning bolt out of the sky, it still takes a lot of times for that to be a sustainable trust. Mm-hmm. It's it's rarely like it is in the movies, and I think that's true 
with this as well is it's rarely you have this huge hunger. I, I think we're picturing our huge hunger sometimes when we're mm-hmm. really, really hungry and we eat a lot of our favorite food and feel better, but their relationship is more complicated. So I it, don't think it's the same. I don't either. I, I like that analogy. The other thing is not only is their relationship more complicated, so it's going to take more digging out and um, they need to accumulate more positive experiences in their recent history than mm-hmm. they have all before that with the negative associations that they've had, or at least the confusion around food and hunger and satiation. But you can't start wolfing down a whole meal. So if your child's hungry and they cut the edge off a little bit, it might wear off pretty quickly. So they're going to need to learn about regulating their intake and um, learn that more maybe makes them feel a little bit better um, or too much not doesn't. So it takes a little bit to kind of calibrate that both in terms of learning to trust food um, and skill but also in terms of um, getting enough for it to Mm -hmm. actually feel better and then to make that cognitive connection, which we believe really can happen for kids of all ages, even the teeny tiny ones, but that it takes several experiences, especially if your child's had a complicated relationship with food, like most tubies (laughs) have. Um, It's going to take a minute. So we just encourage people to... If you're pursuing a wean with your existing medical team or if you're trying it at home, you know, a, obviously you're going to make sure that these safety things are in place, that you've talked to a medical team, that you know how to keep your child safe. Assuming that you've done that and that you have a good path, you've got to create a system for making sure you remember to look for these things. Because when it's hard, people almost universally, including us as therapists, by mm-hmm. the way, you want to cling on to something. You want to see how many ounces. How, but did they eat two more ounces than they did last week? Did they have another? Was that a huge meal? And and if you do that only, like Heidi said earlier, you're missing these qualitative things that are actually the key that's going to drive you out of feeding tube dependency. Mm-hmm. And don't make it so hard on yourself that it has to be all or nothing. Remember that it's a process and baby steps. Yeah. And I like thinking about this stuff as progress because if your child needs more hydration or more supplementation by tube, but they're still initiating, it's okay. You got to keep them in that safe, balanced place. And that's why weaning can often look like a dance instead of like a rocket. (laughs) You know, it's not like a straight line. But it's a lot of back and forth, and that's how you keep kids in a stable place, keep them safe while they're doing this. So we often tell people if we have to hydrate more by tube, put more water or pedialyte or whatever the hydration is that your child's getting in the tube, that doesn't mean it's a step backwards. If you're still having a child that's enjoying their meal, if they're still initiating more than they did pre-wean, those experiences build upon each other, and that's your key to getting out of um, the tube dependency. Mm -hmm. So this information will be summarized a little bit in the show notes. You guys can check that out. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and um, at Thrive by Spectrum Pediatrics. And we look forward to to, um, seeing you guys next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tube to Table podcast. Every week, we're going to share our show notes at thrivewithspectrum.com. In the show notes, you can find a summary of what we discussed and links to all the resources that we mentioned. Also, you can visit us on social media and Instagram and Facebook. We can be found at Thrive with Spectrum. And on Twitter, you can find us at Thrive with SP. 
please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know if you have any input or any topics that you'd really like to see us address. We'll be back next week.